yes, there is some level of gut feel. You have to really enjoy real estate investing, but don't invest in a property where the numbers don't work because now you're not investing in an asset. Now you're investing in a liability, right? And we don't need any more of those. Hey there, we're here to put you on the path to a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio. I'm Palak. And this is Nidhi. Thanks for joining us. Great to have you here. Hey guys, before we get into the content for today's episode, I want to share with you that the BurrCon is coming up. If you go to www.theburrcon.com, you can go buy a ticket and attend on December 8th, 2023, attend an amazing event. It's like summer camp for adults. You just show up and we'll do the rest. It's going to be incredible, full of amazing amazing workshops that are meant specifically for investors wanting to build wealth while keeping their lifestyle above everything else. That's what we're talking about at the conference. You're going to meet a lot of investors who have successfully implemented the bar strategy. A lot of them have crossed their multi-million dollar portfolio already. They are coming at this event to share their knowledge and expertise. It's going to be amazing. TheBurrCon.com. All right, let's get started. What I hear from people a lot is, yes, Burr works, Burr doesn't work, but it's not as simple as that. This strategy has been, it's been implemented for decades. It's been implemented through multiple market cycles. And so this strategy works in many different ways in different market cycles, but there are also four different key business models to this strategy that you can implement. And so it's important to understand that this is a very versatile strategy and you can implement it in many different ways depending on what your goals are. All right, so the very first type of bar, the very first business model that I'm going to talk about is the property avatar model. This is the model that has allowed us to scale our portfolio starting with about 25K when we first got started all the way to a $10 million portfolio in about five years. And you guys know Nidhi and I are both retired now. He's been retired for three years. I've been retired for about five years. We do real estate full-time. And when I say full-time, we work about 30 minutes a day on this business. And it allows us to scale, continue scaling our portfolio, building generational wealth. At the same time, we have income through cash flow from these properties. The Burr property avatar is all about finding that one kind of property that you can acquire repeatedly, right? So that's that's the key to this. This is finding an avatar that you can pick up again and again, a very scalable way to grow your portfolio. We always recommend starting with three S's, right? Number one is small. You want to start small. Pick a single family home, maybe three bed, one bath, something like that. Simple. Pick a simple renovation project. Pick a project that doesn't make you learn something you cannot use in future, right? So simple. And the third one is scalable. You want to invest somewhere and in a kind of a property where you can implement the strategy again and again. You want to look for a neighborhood where there is enough distressed properties, but also enough properties that are being renovated so you can get that high after repair value. So you need inventory of both kinds of properties, right? So this is the Burr property avatar. This is super scalable. 
also want to add another thing that makes it scalable is commercial financing. Uh, what we do is we come up with 2025k to begin with, and then you borrow the rest of the acquisition and the construction money from short-term lenders. And then when you're done renovating the property, you can pull all of that money out when you take it to a commercial lender. And this is super scalable because commercial lending doesn't have limits that conventional financing does. So that's your first model. This is the Burr model that really focuses on scalability, right? So that's your Burr property avatar uh, model. The second one is out-of-state investing. A lot of us who live in expensive markets, especially about 30 to 40% of the people in our program, they live in expensive markets like California, New York, Boston, Seattle, things like that. This is something that we always tell them, sure, can you implement it where you live? Absolutely. But is it easier to invest in out-of-state properties? 100% yes. If you live in an expensive market, then out-of-state investing might be your best friend. And here's why I think out-of-state investing works really well for those that live in an expensive market. Number one, say if you wanted to do this in your expensive market, right? Maybe you buy a property that's worth half a million dollars when you're done with everything. That's what it's worth. Now, Maybe you rent it out for about three grand a month, something like that to be able to pay the mortgage and still make cash flow. Think about what happens when this property is vacant. That means you're going to have to come up with that mortgage every month. Whereas if you do out-of-state investing, find a neighborhood where you can find a little more inexpensive property, right? Maybe for 500K, instead of doing one deal, you do two or three deals. Now what happens is if one of them is vacant, this kind of your scatter side portfolio is going to start acting like a multifamily for you. Meaning if one of them is vacant, your mortgage still gets covered by the rest of the rents that are coming in. And that's why we love this idea of out-of-state investing for those that live in an expensive market. It allows you to build a very stable business. And it's not just about, hey, let's just buy a property because it's available, it's here, we know the market. It's not about that. It's about building a scalable business that is going to last your family for generations. It's going to withstand the ups and downs that come within our own personal finances, within the market, within the economy, all of the different things that happen in our lifetime. Your stable cash flow is going to allow you to keep your portfolio long term when that happens. Right. So out of state investing is an amazing opportunity for an investor that lives in an expensive market to be able to take advantage of real estate investing and still build a stable portfolio. A lot of us are scared of out-of-state investing. And I was too when I first got started. What happened is we invested in our backyard. And that's how a lot of investors get started. And then we quickly realized that after a certain point, we weren't able to scale this business because the neighborhood started appreciating in value and the numbers simply didn't work. And I'm always telling you guys like, you know, I mean, yes, there is some level of gut feel you have to really enjoy real estate investing but don't invest in a property where the numbers don't work because now you're not investing in an asset now you're investing in a liability right and we don't need any more of those so what happens is and it happened to us is you know at some point you're going to realize that the properties in your own backyard the numbers simply don't work and so you have to start moving out of that area and at first 
most of us are a little apprehensive, like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to monitor the project? Am I going to be scammed by someone? All of these are valid fears. But there are things that we can put in place that are going to allow you to continue scaling this business by having a team and systems and processes that you can leverage to grow that business instead of physically being present. In some ways, to be honest with you, out-of-state investing is easier than investing in your own backyard because it forces investors to think like business owners because you just simply cannot be there physically all the time, right? So in some ways, it forces you to step out of your comfort zone and build it like a business and it becomes easier from the get-go. Out-of-state investing works really well if you have an unbiased, boots-on-the-ground person there. And this can be different people. This can be a property manager. This can be a college kid who's willing to be your eyes and ears and take trips. It can be your agent. It can be uh, different companies that provide uh, property inspections. It can be your hard money lender because they do a routine walkthroughs of your properties. It can be many different people who can be your eyes and ears at the property. One tip I have for you is if you are thinking of investing out of state, make sure that there is one unbiased party in the picture. Unbiased meaning someone who's not going to benefit from whether you buy or don't buy the property, whether your renovation goes one way or another. Somebody who's completely unbiased is going to allow you to have those eyes and ears, that boots on the ground person on the property that simply is looking at the property from your perspective and not from any of the vendor's perspective. So having somebody like that as boots on the ground is gold to be a successful out-of-state investor. Another tip I have for you, if you're thinking of doing out-of-state investing, number one, really learn to define what kind of property you're going after and then do your numbers, do your numbers really, really well so that you know within 10 minutes of looking at a deal, even when you're not there physically, if you're looking at it online, if you have your eyes and ears, people sending you videos, if and we talk a lot about this, uh, having all of that information, you can make a decision in 10 minutes. Being able to do that is going to allow you to be a successful out-of-state investor. All right. The third one is your primary residence per. And I've done it many times and folks in our program do it all the time. I'll give you one example. By the way, before I even get to the example, you should know you're probably sitting on a lot of equity in your primary residence. And a lot of us don't know really how to tap into it. We don't know whether we should tap into it. Some of the advice given to us, especially by very conservative, well-intentioned uh, family and friends is pay, pay off that primary residence, pay that off. Whereas in reality, if you can tap into the equity of your primary residence, you can take that equity and you can turn it into a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio. A lot of folks who come to us, if they don't have enough funds, they tap into that primary residence equity, they get a HELOC or they refinance and pull some of that equity out and then they deploy that into real estate investing. So I'm gonna give you an example. Um, we bought a property, we put in money to renovate it, 
And then we, instead of refinancing and pulling all that money out for our primary residence, what we did was we got a HELOC, okay? That HELOC, when we were all said and done, that HELOC was worth 120K, I think. So we bought a property for 620, I think. And then we put in another 100K to renovate it. And then we were done with it. It forced the property to appreciate. And then we were able to pull out 120K in HELOC from it. I took that 120K and people always ask me like, why should I do HELOC? And by the way, if you don't know what HELOC is, it stands for Home Equity Line of Credit. I'm going to talk a little bit more about HELOC in just a second. But people always ask me like, why should I do HELOC? Um, isn't it better to pay off the primary residence? Yes, but now your HELOC becomes your lender. You are your own lender now, right? Now you have this HELOC. We took that 120K and we took it to a hard money lender and I bought a 10-unit building with that money. The 10-unit building we bought was, I believe we purchased it for 375, 375,000. It was very distressed, needed a lot of work. And then we put another 300K into it, I believe. Um, and to do that project, we needed to put 120K down. I'm rounding off the numbers here, of course. And then all said and done, at the end of the day, the value of the property when we got done with it was over a million. So we were able to refinance and we were able to pull our, we were able to pay the hard money lender back all of the funds that they gave us. And we were also able to pay ourselves back the 120K for the HELOC. Now the HELOC is paid off again. Now, again, I'm able to lend myself to do the next project. And that all started with a primary residence burr, right? Because we were able to pull it out. Now we had the HELOC. Now we went and bought a 10-unit building. So chances are you may be sitting on a bunch of equity for your primary residence. You could take that equity, tap into it, and deploy it further and decide you know, to go and start acquiring properties for your real estate investing business. This is a strategy that we've done it twice. <laughs> uh, we also did it for our primary residence where you're watching me record this video right now. This is a walkout basement in our primary residence that now my business rents from me personally. This one of our uh, students who crossed her million dollar portfolio already, she actually designed this space for us. We renovated it. We put in money into it. And once we renovated it, we got a HELOC. We pulled that money out. Now we have that HELOC sitting as a checking account, as a lender for ourselves. So when we see a deal, we can deploy that money and we can acquire that property. That can become the seed money. And then the hard money lender, private lender, however you want to fund it, can fund the rest of the deal, right? So we've done it many, many times and it is extremely lucrative. I also want to give you the example of Raza. So first of all, most people we work privately with, most people we work closely with are following the either the bar property avatar business model or the out-of-state bar model. But some of them, like Raza, he did a primary residence bar. On that one deal alone, he pulled out over 200K from that one deal. And it was so amazing for him. The reason he was able to do that is because he himself is a contractor, right? So he had 
a much better spread than I ever could, which is amazing. If you're a contractor, please, this is going to be your dream come true. Go do a primary residence for. He pulled out 200, over 200K from that one deal. Pretty incredible. All right. And the last one, which is the bar house hack. So Angie from our team, we just interviewed her in our program and she talked about uh, the house hack bar that she's currently doing. It is absolutely amazing. I've seen multiple people do that in our program and I want to tell you just a little bit more about it. It is as um, Cheryl, who um, is our chief media officer, Cheryl calls it the Swiss army knife of bar. Okay. Bar house hack. How does that work? They bought a duplex, all right? They're going to live in one unit and they're going to rent one unit out. Now, the rent from the first unit pays a mortgage for the entire duplex. So that's house hack. That's, you know, one strategy and multifamily. Two things now, right? Now you reduce your living expenses to the point where you have no mortgage. But now they're also going to borrow this property. They're putting a little bit of money in it and renovating it. And when they'll be done with it, they'll be able to pull all of the money that they originally put in out of the property and move it to the next deal. When they are all said and done and ready to move out of the second unit that they're living in, they're they're a couple with a dog. They don't have kids. They don't need a lot of space right now. So they can live in a two-bedroom, two-bath unit in their multifamily Maybe they decide to expand their family and they need more space. Maybe they want a single family home with a yard. What Angie has decided to do is when she's ready to move out, now she can just rent the other unit out. And now she has two doors of her own assets down when she buys her primary residence. So this, as I said, Swiss army knife. Uh, It's an amazing way to get started. It's combining multiple strategies into one, and it allows you to make a big impact on your finances from the get-go. So these are many different ways of implementing the bar strategy. You can pick and choose the model that really fits you. Um, What I have to say, though, that there are two types of bar out of all the different strategies. We talked about the primary residence bar and the house hack bar, these two are not the most scalable. They're very easy to execute and that's going to allow you to get started really fast or get a chunk of cash that you can deploy further, but they're not the most scalable, meaning you cannot do a primary residence bar every few months. You cannot do a house hack bar every few months. You cannot just keep moving every few months, right? But it allows you to get started. The other two models that is the out-of-state bar and the property avatar bar, those are super scalable. And so what I recommend is maybe you get started with the first two if you don't already own a primary residence or if you own a private if you own a primary residence that has equity or if you can house hack and do the bar at the same time, that's a great way to get started. And then you take the funds and then you deploy them into your real estate portfolio with the other two strategies, which is House, uh, which is out-of-state investing bar and property avatar bar, right? And those are scalable. Now you're building a business. You're going to use commercial financing. You're going to buy it in LLCs. You're going to, you know, really make it scalable. If you already own a home and the house had bar, you know, if you're like me, you've got a bunch of kids, 
<laughs> you, you need a yard space. You want your own space. House hack works not for you. It was not for us, right? That doesn't mean it's not a good strategy. It just wasn't for us. Private residence bar was great for us. Maybe it's not good for you. Maybe you don't want to live through a renovation. I do not recommend it, by the way. I did one when I was like seven months pregnant with a toddler. Do not recommend you do that. That is not comfortable. Didn't know any better, right? It's like years ago. So we did that. Maybe you don't want to live through a renovation. Forget those two strategies. You can still do out-of-state burr and you can still do the property avatar burr. Pick one to get started and then you can scale it further. So these are the four different models of burr that we see people implement. We have taught people in our private community on how to implement and these are super lucrative for any investor wanting to get started with real estate investing. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know in comments what you found the most useful and which model of Burr fits your lifestyle. I'll see you next time. I know. Don't forget, when you're ready to get serious, you can join us at theinvestoraccelerator.com. It's like getting a thousand episodes worth of information in five days, and it's everything you need to build your actionable plan to financial freedom and making work optional. 